Welcome to episode 330 of Crack the Customer Code, where the leadership engine runs only on high octane. Adam, sometimes I think we're not good enough. And other times I think we're, we're good enough. <laughs> you are always good enough for me, Jamie. Oh, well, that's nice. I think... Cue the, I think cue we, the violins. I know. There we go. Um, I think it's interesting how... In the last several years, this topic has come up in kind of different themes and industries about, you know, we're all kind of perfectionists. We all want the best. So sometimes that prevents us from kind of living in the moment, getting the best we can from where we are at that moment. And what I love about our discussion today with Jess Pettit is that she really takes this apart in a way around diversity, around, you know, really accepting not only other people, but what we already know about our unconscious biases and how we can be more aware of that to connect with people in a in a better way. So I, I was really fascinated by this. And I think it's something that we all need reminders about this all the time. Well, I, I like the message of good enough now, or especially around the topic of bias and things like that, because there is so much stridency and noise around this, so much judgment mm -hmm. around people. And I'm not saying some bias doesn't deserve judgment, but you know, a lot of this is unconscious and it is from well-meaning people, uh, you know, because everyone has it, right? right? And I, I, I like her open-minded, right? yeah. her very open-minded approach to it and uh, to having some acceptance and around the topic and that we're all not perfect and we shouldn't expect that perfection of others. Right. Right. So I think, you know, I think our intro is good enough now. What do you think? <laughs> I would absolutely say yes. <laughs> well, let me tell you about our wonderful guest, Jessica Pettit, master of education and certified speaking professional, pulls together her stand-up comedy years with 15 plus years of diversity trainings in a wide range of organizations to serve groups to move from abstract fears to actionable habits that lead teams to want to work together. With a sense of belonging and understanding, colleagues take more risks with their ideation, conserve precious resources through collaboration, and maintain real connections with clients over time. She is the author of Good Enough Now, How Doing the Best We Can with What We Have is Better Than Nothing. Hey, Jess, we're so happy to have you here. Thanks for joining us. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Uh, welcome to the show, Jess. And I can't wait to get to this topic because it's very timely right now. Uh, you talk about diversity, you focus on diversity, but you define it a little different than uh, maybe some other people do. So tell us a little bit about your perspective and your approach. Sure. So uh, the new definition is because I uh, have been doing kind of the old definition or work for probably close to 12, 13 years. And I would focus on vocabulary and things kind of external to one person. Um, some would call it kind of collecting different experiences, so to speak, or different kinds of friends, different lived experiences, going different places, trying different things. And where that is actually important, exposure and life experience is really important. What I realized was that there was no internalization of what I was learning, and I wasn't encouraging other people to internalize what the impact of things of their own behaviors, their responsibility was. So now I've flipped it around 
and have the new approach. So tell us a little bit more about that approach and what it means when you say flip it around. Sure. So I really started getting burnt out. And um, I know a lot of diversity trainers uh, agree with this and have felt this as well. But I also think people have been to so many bad diversity trainings that they also are burnt out. And as my edges, (laughs) yeah, exactly. As my edges were getting kind of crispy, um, what I decided is if I wasn't noticing a change outside of me, my audiences weren't asking different questions. I wasn't asking different questions. And if I wasn't noticing a change, then I needed to flip it around. And so what I have done, and it's been much more motivating, and I have seen a lot more positive impact, is really just looking at oneself and how one can be responsible for who and how they are and pick and choose the pieces that they want to keep. Well, that And so okay. with, with, sorry, I was just going to follow up on the burnout question, because I think that that's something that as somebody who does trainings and things like that, I think that's very, very common, this idea of burnout. So by flipping the script like that, it sounds like you got more creative, you got more innovative, you got more inspired, and you kind of needed to hear that message yourself. Is that accurate? Yeah. I mean, I think uh, professional devastation will lead to great innovation, right? Um, (laughs) I I think that that's a really important piece, even if we are talking about um, users or customers or clients or audience members, is that very often there's a kind of plateau that can happen. And it's really dependent on maintaining that sense of loyalty and dedication to something bigger than yourself that you have to be inspired and re-inspired. So I reinvented myself, rebranded, and have made a stronger commitment to my customers and clients and myself. That's awesome. Yeah, it's uh, commitments across the board. Very good. So let's talk about some of those commitments because we've talked on this podcast about how unconscious bias can impact customer service. And uh, that's one of your areas, I believe, that you're an expert in, correct? Sure. All right. Well, then tell us about your views on unconscious bias and both positive and negative bias, uh, because it really does cut both ways. So can you sort of expand on those ideas and how both of them are relevant to this discussion we're having nowadays? Sure. So let's just start off with what does bias mean? And I think it's really good that you mentioned positive and negative kind of old school diversity really only focuses on negative. But um, there's definitely an impact that positive bias can have that may or may not be necessary. So bias just means really an unknown or unchecked preference um, that usually either favors or disfavors somebody based on this particular variable. So what do I mean? I mean, like, um, let's say that one of your listeners uh, called me and said, you know, I'm, um, I'm a student at the University of South Carolina. Well, I got my master's at the University of South Carolina. So immediately I would say, whoo, go Cox. And we would instantly be connected, even if we might not actually like each other. We have this extra bonus connection where if I didn't like them at the first, now that I know that they're the University of South Carolina, my positive bias is going to get used and they're going to get like an extra long first chance. That makes any sense. Um when <laughs> if I'm talking to someone and they tell me how much they like the barbecue in South Carolina, I instantaneously, whether conscious of it or not, realize that this person is wackadoodle <laughs> because uh, 
South Carolina barbecue is mustard base. And being from Texas, that's like a cardinal <laughs> sin. So no matter what, no matter what that person says to me when they're like, mm, 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 this mustard based barbecue is divine. When they say that, it almost is their fault in my unconscious mind that they have to do extra stuff to become an intelligent person again, because my negative bias is so thick that that person could hand me a bag of money and I'm not going to like it, at least not at first. So if that's a really clear understanding of positive bias and negative bias, that's actually connected to the same piece, right? Like I'm using South Carolina as the example. In my opinion, my new approach is that you're responsible for this. So as a customer, I'm responsible that there are some brands that I like and am loyal to more, and I may not even be able to explain it, but I could look into it and try and figure it out. Um, As someone who's working with customers, you tend to treat customers that approach you or call you in different ways because of your conscious and unconscious positive and negative bias. So the the antidote here is just to become conscious of the fact that sometimes you're not Mm -hmm. like get okay with the fact that sometimes you may be treating people differently for whatever reason, and you may be aware of it or you may not be aware of it. And that's your job is to figure out what you don't even know that you don't know about your own behaviors. You know, that's the positive bias example kind of struck a chord with me because I have two kids. And when I first became a parent, like when you first become a parent, you all of a sudden, like every parent is your friend. Like you're just like, oh my God, you're going through this too. This is amazing. And then as the kids get older, you start realizing like, if all we have in common is parenthood, it doesn't mean I have to be BFFs with this person. And it's like, it took me a while to become aware of that. Like I didn't have to kind of assume every single person who had a kid my age was going to be my friend. And it's a positive bias, just like you're talking about. And it's it took me a while to become aware of it. So that just struck a chord with me. It's a, it's a different example than the workplace, but it's funny how um, I think a comedian said, kids are the only ones who pick friends based on height, because it's just like whoever is around who looks like them. And then the parents are kind of on the outskirts and we have to kind of bond because we're looking at, we're looking after our kids. So it's, it's one of those things that I realized way later in life was that's what I was doing. I was giving people the positive bias, the benefit of the doubt all the time, instead of just being like, how can I evaluate this at face value? So all sorts of life. And to flip it directly to customers, I think that there's there's positive and negative things that you can do with your own bias awareness too, right? So like I waited tables all the way through college and graduate school to support myself. And when you wait tables, if you can do things that appear to be psychic in a positive way, <laughs> your tips go up, right? Yeah. So I would work lunch all the time and every once in a while, and by that I mean every Wednesday – a large group of women would come in for lunch and I, the other waitresses or waiters would kind of be like, Jessica, it's your turn. You take that table again. So I would get them every single Wednesday and every single Wednesday, 
um, eventually I just had the table set up for them, right? But every single Wednesday they'd come in, they'd take their seats, and I'd immediately show up with pitchers of Diet Coke, ramekins of limes and lemons. I'd automatically separate the check and I'd bring extra straws. Mm. They didn't have to ask for that. Mm-hmm. Now, that's a stereotype of specifically a group of white women at a quick lunch is that they're going to be high maintenance. They're going to need all these extra little bits and pieces. <laughs> and at the end, they're going to divide a nickel by 11, right? Like <laughs> it's, it's actually a negative stereotype, but I, it would affect how I interacted with those customers because I wanted them to have a good experience. Now that doesn't mean mm-hmm. another table didn't also need limes and a split check, but the other table didn't come with a stereotype. So I would just do it when they asked me to. But when a stereotype would walk in the door, especially if I had experience with them in the past and I knew this is what they would do, that's how to customize your positive bias consciously to create a better customer experience. Hmm. That's interesting. And the the key is you might not always be right. So you have to like check in. Well, it's funny you talk about that because one of the things I know you've been called is the white guy whisperer, which is, Mm -hmm. I mean, that's quite a title. I, (laughs) and (laughs) so, (laughs) so, you know, what does that actually mean to be the white guy whisperer and why is that important? Sure. So um, because this is an audio recording, um, I have multicolored hair and lots of tattoos, and I talk about diversity and social justice. So generally speaking, people who've been to too many diversity trainings kind of see me and also create kind of this avatar of what I'm going to be like. And specifically, white men, and I would say white conservative men, When they walk into one of these trainings that they've been voluntold to go to, (laughs) when they when they see me, they're like, oh, God, there's going to be another one of those. Right. And then slowly they find out I'm from Texas. Um, I'm not as pinko commie liberal as they think I am, or at least in my presentation as I'm working with the workshop. Um, I make fun of liberals as much as I make fun of conservatives. I talk about people who are also not even like politically involved and that everything's not this binary dichotomy. And as I allow a little bit more complication to enter the conversation, what happens is these usually Christian straight white men who are waiting to be the target or waiting to be blamed for everything realize that they're actually welcomed to the conversation. And for some, it's the first time they've ever felt welcome. And then now we can actually have a conversation about the impact or intentions or relationships or conversations or struggling areas. Now we can talk. And um, it's actually those guys who consistently seem to call me the whisperer. The whisperer. Because I make them feel welcome (laughs) where they didn't even want to be in the first place. Well, and they probably, you know, if they walk in and have all those defenses up, it's hard to break through that. You know, it's hard to get people to open up and even open up to ideas if they're walking in thinking, oh, boy, now I've just got to be defensive the whole day. Um, so, yeah, breaking the, those things down in that moment, it's critical. But often it's not even considered. It's not even part of well, it. Well, it's also good that uh, I was going to say it's good that you're teaching unconscious bias and you're not actually 
bringing it to your work. It sounds like, you know, some of the other <laughs> trainings they may have had, not that it's not all on some of it's not on them, but um, it sounds like, you know, some of the other trainers that uh, do your topic may also bring the unconscious bias to the unconscious bias training. Well, I mean, <laughs> to be honest, we all do, right? right. I mean, I wish right. it was, I wish I was absolved of this, but there are certain contracts where I'm like, whoop, better not have any visible tattoos. Why? Mm-hmm. It's inside of a certain state, you know, right. mm-hmm. I, I bring my conscious and unconscious bias when I pack, when I get dressed, when I first words I say, even on your podcast, right? Like I can tell, and by tell, I mean, I make assumptions based on podcast hosts of how organized are they? And if this is just kind of an off the cuff one, which this one isn't, um, then I feel like it's just somebody in their living room, like trying out a new thing. So I get way more casual, um, there's a, some other ones I've been on that like <laughs> to be like hip and cool, they'll cuss at the questions. And <laughs> where when I'm not in a professional role, like I can also cuss like a sailor, but I don't know who is listening to this. So out of respect, I put in my cussing filter, right? Um, mm-hmm. The more organized and professional a podcast looks, welcome to this is a great example of one. Um, Thank you. The more professional I get, you know, like I woke up this morning and took a shower and brushed my teeth and I put on nice clothes <laughs> um, because I wanted to treat you with the same professionalism that you've treated me. That Aww. is also bias, right? It's just whether mm-hmm. I'm conscious or unconscious of it, that's what I'm responsible for. So I, one of my mentors coming up in the workplace was, I've talked about him a lot on this podcast, but he, uh, was this amazing salesperson for like complex sales and he would have to sell to boards. So he had figured out, he had it down to a science where he would say, well, this is my healthcare board tie and this is my education board tie. And this is my, this is the suit I wear if it's a, um, an alternative education institution versus a traditional one. So he was basically reading all of the unconscious biases and also assuming and, you know, assuming that the people in the room had their own biases to the point where he would dress specifically for the type of sale he was doing. And it, it like got down to the detail of which tie he wore. <laughs> and as you say that, I'm like, that's really, I, I never thought about it in terms of unconscious bias. Well, that's, but that's conscious bias. That's segmenting, right? Yeah, that's true. That's true. But I also think that it's important to mention that sometimes a cigar is just a cigar, right? Yes, so exactly. um, I, I was doing a training recently and uh, as at the end of it, as we were being thanked, um, we, um, me and the co-facilitator, we got baseball caps and the, my co-facilitator put his baseball cap on bill forward and I wear glasses and uh, they gave me the baseball cap and I put it on bill backwards and um, mm-hmm. the reason I did that is because it was one of those baseball caps where the bill's really large. And so it's not going to fit with my glasses very well. And we were almost done. And I just wanted to like, look like I appreciated the hat, put it on, put it on backwards. So in one of the evaluations, it said, you know, I really, really liked Jessica until the very, very end when she tried to be hip. <laughs> like, because I'm old, or at least older than they were, at least they um, they when Jessica put her hat on backwards, it, she lost a little bit of my trust and respect because all of a sudden she was trying to be hip. 
When in reality, I didn't want to have to take my glasses off. Right. So, right. But what's important to understand is, is that do I never put a hat on backwards again? No, because it had nothing to do with that. Is that person going to be able to get to the place and realize like, oh, they equated when an older, white, larger woman puts a hat on backwards, they're trying to be hip. That's actually their bias. So when we talk about conscious and unconscious, positive and negative bias, it's from you and to you at the exact same time. And this is often why we don't make really good connections and we don't communicate very well, which is why I wrote my book in the first place. Ah, well, let's uh, hmm. let's wrap up with that a final question about good enough now. Uh, Excellent transition. Thank you. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's an, inter- well, it's an we interesting work philosophy, it. <laughs> and uh, so I, I, I want to please delve into it a little bit. And what should our listeners take away from it? Sure. So as I said at the beginning, I was getting burnt out and I realized that this kind of connection between growth and exceptionalism and perfection was limiting myself, but also showing up in the excuses of my own customers and the people that I was working with as to why they couldn't try, why they were avoiding certain conversations, why they would unfollow instead of unfriend somebody And this fear of trying, I felt was really important to acknowledge, because if you can't try, you can't be creative, you can't innovate, um, and you can't try and do something outside of the box that would actually really best serve somebody. So I came up with the concept of good enough now, and the idea that good enough, and I don't know if you've heard the phrase like good enough for government work, um, I don't mean in like a sloppy way, right? Like I do a lot of work with um, hospitals and medical institutions. So I don't mean like left knee, right knee, whatever, good enough. Like I don't mean that. But I mean, in our like everyday interactions, there are times where we refuse to try something because we don't know if we're going to do it right. And so when, when I thought about that, and I was literally, I say this in my book, But um, I was on a dog walk and my husband and I were talking about the electric Volkswagen van that is supposedly going to come out some year. And we said, well, maybe instead of buying the first one, we definitely want one. But instead of buying the first one, maybe we should wait for the second or the third iteration. And that's when it struck me that technology has the luxury of being able to put out something with the expectations that there's bugs so that when the bugs are noted, they can be fixed later, and then a 2.0 can come. Now, that's also capitalism, right, is that you have to constantly upgrade your devices. But what if we treated each other that way? If I knew, like, even in this interview, like, it's it hasn't been super perfect. There's a couple of things I wish I could have said differently, or um, I almost coughed at the beginning, right? But it's good enough. Like, I'm here. I'm present. I'm I'm being real or authentic. So if I could do that and just try, sometimes that's still too hard. So one step removed from trying is try to try. So when when I looked at all of the diversity work that I had been doing, what I realized is, is my kind of mantra and the subtitle of the book is do the best you can with what you've got some of the time. And if we could treat one another, our customers, our coworkers, random people at the grocery store, 
if we could do the best we could with what we already got some of the time, I believe that we could generate relationships, even if they're one shots with someone you'll never see again, that are rooted in curiosity, generosity, vulnerability, and authenticity. And that that is actually how we will make better connections, understand people's differences and similarities, be responsible for our own bias, and actually change the world. Boom. Love it. Love it. Yes. Um, and I really recommend everybody go out and, and read the book and learn more about this because it does make you think not only about your professional world, but also about your personal and how we approach. And I think, you know, we hit upon this a few different ways in this interview, but it's not just about how you approach others. It's about how you approach yourself and how that shows up to the world. And so, um, so thank you so much for sharing that. That was awesome. So thank you for being here. And I, I really want people to learn more about you and reach out. How can they do that? Sure. So you can go to goodenoughnow.com and get all of my information. But I also like to tell people if you go to goodenoughnow.com slash freebies, F-R-E-E-B-I-E-S, there's all different kinds of free videos and downloads and things like that from the book, as well as funny, silly, weird things that I find fun. (laughs) Excellent. (laughs) Well, we'll put those in the show notes for sure. Excellent. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks, Jess. This was awesome. Appreciate it. Well, I think we really can learn to look at things in a different way almost every day of our lives. And whenever we talk about unconscious bias, it always opens up this kind of portal for me of identifying ways that we all carry that around and how it impacts how we we view one another. But what I loved about this conversation was we talked about it in both positive and negative and how both those things have an impact on how we interact, how we treat people, how we approach customers, how we approach colleagues, all of that. Uh, well, absolutely. And to wrap it really to the customer message, I mean, it's truly that thing we teach, which is awareness and self-awareness mm-hmm. and o- awareness of the conclusions we're jumping to, you know, mm-hmm. the, uh, the, I don't, I don't know the right word is, but the, the biases, well, I'm just trying to use a different word, Jeannie, you know, trying to expand the vocabulary here. It just did not work, but, but the, but the, the bias good enough. That's I, good enough. Oh gosh. I, I feel so accepted. Thank you so much. Uh, but, but essentially right. We're people jump to conclusions. You see this all the time with frontline teams and People are assuming, you know, it's a, we always talk about it in customer service. It's a cliche, cliche now, the pretty mm-hmm. woman effect, right? She walks in right. and, you know, then big mistake, walks out with all the shopping bags. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, but it's a lot more sinister than that in a lot of cases. But there's just a lot around it. And it really does start with being self-aware. And for the leaders out here, training your teams to be self-aware and to recognize these things in themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a that's a huge part of it. And I think she really got to that in a in a creative and honest way. So it was a great conversation. Great discussion. Very, very good. So we thank Jess for being here and we thank you for being here. Thank you so much for listening to Crack the Customer Code. If you haven't yet subscribed, please go and do that now. We we know you're not there. We miss you. We need you to be there as a subscriber. (laughs) And you get our undying gratitude. So that's, I mean, 
That's a big reward. <laughs> Crack the Customer Code is a proud member of C-Suite Radio. Be sure to check out all the great business content at c-suiteradio.com and c-suitetv.com. I'm Jeannie Walters, and you can learn more about me and our trademarked customer experience investigation process and more at experienceinvestigators.com. And I'm Adam Dupork, and you can learn more about me, our customer service workshops, my keynote speaking, and all that good stuff at customersatstick.com. Until next time, take care of yourself. And take care of your customers. podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.